for our devotion this evening, we're going to experience again how Jesus gives us this taste of victory. And we're going to do that by looking at Matthew 27, verses 32 to 37, and verses 45 through 50. As they were going out, they met a man from Cyrene named Simon, and they forced him to carry the cross. They came to a place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. There they offered Jesus wine to drink mixed with gall, but after tasting it, he refused to drink it. When they had crucified him, they divided up his clothes by casting lots, and sitting down, they kept watch over him there. Above his head, they placed the written charge against him, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing there heard this, they said, He's calling Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and got a sponge. He filled it with wine vinegar, put it on a staff, and offered it to Jesus to drink. The rest said, Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. Word of the Lord. The seam made my tongue curl. So I don't know how many of you have seen Indiana Jones, The Temple of Doom. But if you have, maybe you remember that scene when he's been captured by this thug-eyed cult, and they force him down, and they want him to drink this drink called the Blood of Kali. Right? So Indiana, he's struggling against this. Finally, he can't struggle anymore, and they get that bile liquid down his throat. And the change is immediate. All of a sudden, this very intellectually bright man, this very physically capable man, is rendered weak. He becomes a mind-controlled strongman. There's nothing that he can do to break out of this mind thing that they put him through with this vile liquid. In fact, it wouldn't be until later in the movie where he gets touched by fire that finally it leaves. But the reason I thought about that scene is because Jesus here was offered another kind of drink. A drink that was designed to dull the pain. A drink that was designed to give him an escape from the suffering he was about to endure for us. But a drink, if you would have taken it, would have meant losing everything for you and for me. Not tasting victory, but suffering through defeat. Tonight, we think about all the ways that the devil puts these tastes of so-called relief in front of us. Tastes that when we do drink them in, give us the opposite of relief. They give us trouble and hardship and more pain. Tonight we'll taste Jesus' taste of victory that only he can give us. So to set the scene here, you guys just heard what happened here in Matthew 27. Jesus now has gone over 24 hours without eating anything, without drinking anything, and he's going on the way to Golgotha, the place of the skull. And as he's going along, as you can imagine, he's utterly exhausted. He's been whipped crown of thorns, all these things, the emotional trauma he's gone through, and now finally gets to the point where his broken body just can't go on anymore. Collapses on the ground, and what do those Roman soldiers do? Well, they pull Simon out of the crowd. Now, as you probably know from history, Roman soldiers were not known for their compassion, but even they realize just how weak Jesus is at this point. And so they finally get into Golgotha, and before they drive those nails into his hands and feet, they offer him what Matthew calls 
wine mixed with gall. So wine to drink mixed with gall. So what was this? Well, this wine mixed with gall was nothing other than a sedative that they would offer these capital crime prisoners to dull the pain. It was a narcotic that maybe, for at least a brief while, the prisoners could escape what they're about to endure, not just physically being exposed, completely naked on a cross, to try to get away from that for just a moment. Jesus gets offered this drug, this escape, this quote-unquote relief. And of course the devil is right there the whole time. You know, Jesus, you don't have what it takes to finish the job you started. Jesus, you need this little bit of help to try to dull the pain and get through what you came to do. Jesus, you can't take on all the suffering instead of the world. You need help. See, I think the devil offers these same tasty gifts that he calls them to us too. What do I mean by that? For a lot of us, we have that contentment of faith, which is a huge blessing. We have happy emotions, we think about who our God is and what he's done, but then something will come into our lives that's out of our control. Things start unraveling, before we know it, we don't know how to find relief, how to find you know, consistency, stability. I mean, just think of in your own life the different tastes that the devil puts in front of you that offers help, but in reality, is to your detriment. You know, maybe it's the form of distraction, it's all, all its various forms, trying to get you to not think about what you're going through, and not think about that your Savior knows you're going through, but rather, just like the sedative, to try to escape from it instead of actually combating it, walking with God through it. You know, maybe it's talking with other people and trying to get them to convince you that you're okay, even though you really don't feel okay, or... As you all know, there are physical tastes too, like us, like substances, that people turn to to try to cope with things. And no matter what it is, whether it's that or negative thoughts, or whatever you use to try to cope with things that go unexpectedly in your life, they all come with that empty promise the devil loves to attach. And he says to you, look, if you take this taste, your problems will go away, or at least for a short while, your problems won't seem as major and significant. But you know as well as I do, if we take those offers from him, we only end up feeling more hollow than before. So about Jesus? Here he is, about to go on the cross, about to go through hell itself, like we just heard, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's about to take all that on himself for us. He's offered this chance to have at least a little reprieve and what he's about to endure. And what does Jesus do? Well, this is what Matthew says. He gets offered this sedative, and he refused to drink it. Jesus, he tastes it and spits it right back out, and there is a reason for that. Because Jesus wants you and I to know that he took on all of our sins, all of our guilt, all of our shame, willingly, consciously, and purposefully. See, Jesus wants you and I to know that there's not a single sin that you have committed that he didn't carry on his back 100%, not sleepwalking through it, not half awake, but totally awake. He wants you to know that you were on his mind purposefully as he's about to endure hell itself for you and for me. It tells us something. 
When we get offered those crumbs of defeat that the devil loves to throw in front of us, Jesus says, no, wait a minute. That's not what I died for. I died to give you a taste of victory. When our God says in the Bible, taste and see that the Lord is good, he means it. When Jesus offers his body and blood in the Lord's Supper, he means it. He knows that you and I are such tangible people. And to literally hold the forgiveness of sins in our hands, to digest it, have that incredible intimacy with Jesus and with our church family, that's the taste that we need to strengthen us for the life he's given. What Jesus did on that cross, by turning down that sedative, he reminds us that you and I are not going to go through life half awake, trying to cope. We need to go through life tasting his goodness, his grace, his forgiveness, and walking with him along the way. But, Jesus, while he rejects the sedative, he doesn't reject the second drink offered to him. And maybe you caught that. So this was the wine mixed with vinegar, right? See, Jesus needed the perfect palate cleanser because he was going to declare something. The greatest sentence, one word in Greek, three words in English that you and I have ever heard, it is finished. He doesn't just whimper it out. What does Matthew say? With a loud cry, he gave up his spirit. For all of our whimpering and all of our feelings of distress and all of our feelings of being out of control, Jesus says, I'm the one in control. My timing is perfect. I have completed everything I came to do for my people. It is finished, now and always. There is no doubt. And so when the devil comes at us with his lies and his buffet of sins, we say, forget that. We have a feast waiting for us in heaven. We have a foretaste of that feast every time we have the Lord's Supper. We have Jesus who shines true through that darkness, who gives us the word and sacraments that we take in, that quench our thirst, that fills our hunger spiritually. This week, you all have been and will be confronted with opportunities to take these tastes that the devil is so willing to give us. But forget about that junk food and take the real meat of the word, the bread of life, Jesus himself. Ponder him, taste and see that the Lord is good. And look forward to the day when we are all gathered together in the bank of all of heaven, when we will taste goodness to the full, in a place where Jesus longs to have a feast that will never end. Amen. And to him who is able to keep you from falling, and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy, to the only God our Savior be all glory, majesty, power, and authority, through Jesus Christ our Lord, before all ages now and forevermore. Amen.